Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 214 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from a chilly Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for checking out the episode. In just a few moments, I'll be sitting down to chat with one of my favorite people on the planet, Michael Gallus. And if you've listened to my previous chats with Michael, you're going to love this one as well. And if you have not listened to any of my discussions with Michael, you're going to want to check this one out. And then you're going to definitely want to go back and dig into the other, I believe, two times that I've had Michael on the podcast. Just an absolutely fascinating gentleman. First episode I had him on last year, I just told him, I said, he's a renaissance man. And I still believe that. And he's gone on built upon that even more so than what he had uh, previously done. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that if you are interested in getting your local footy club, getting a shout out during an upcoming episode, be sure to drop me the name of that club, uh, maybe a link to their socials. That'd be great. Their website uh, via email at yankonthefootygmail.com, or you can leave me a, a DM on Twitter at yank underscore on, or you can check out my Facebook page for the podcast, uh, a Yank on the Footy podcast, or seek me out on Facebook itself. Just look for my name, Craig Wessels, or you can also find me on Instagram as well. Just look for uh, a Yank on the Footy there as well. I love being able to give a uh, recognition to these local clubs. This is something that I, if I get the opportunity to come to Australia, I really want to see what makes these local clubs tick because I know from what I have seen and what I have encountered in some of the opportunities I've had for interviews with people involved in these local clubs, that this is the lifeblood of many of the small communities uh, dotting the uh, the map of Australia. Now, of course, there are major local clubs, if you will, in major metropolitan areas as well, but there's a lot of small town ones that that, that club is the hub, the focus of that community. Now, Folks, I do have one question for you before we dive into the discussion, and that is, what is your most memorable game of footy? I have a recent blog post that I will link to again in the show notes uh, over on my website, or you can go over there, yankonthefooty.com, and just click on the blog button, and you'll find it there, uh, where I'm asking that very question, what is your most memorable game? And maybe it's a game that you played in. Uh, maybe it's a game that you got to go to. I'm trying to do some interviews with... Uh, people who have a memorable game, something that really stands out to them that they're never going to forget. And I'm probably going to do, I guess, a self-interview, if you will, about my favorite or my most memorable game also. And it's one that probably nobody else would think of uh, because it's the one that, quite frankly, turned me into the supporter of the club that I am a supporter of to this day. And uh, I would love to sit down and talk with you uh for a half an hour, 45 minutes about that game to learn why it is so important to you and for you to be able to share that memory with the listeners of the podcast. So if you're interested in doing that, head over to my website and click on the register as a guest button. You could also leave me a note over there or shoot me an email, as I mentioned before, yankonthefooty at gmail.com. I would love to sit down and talk with you. you know, we are in the, uh, the depths of winter here. We haven't had the snow yet in my town, uh, but it's coming. Uh, and today's club of the episode, as a matter of fact, 
It correlates directly with this episode, and it is the men's national team from Pakistan. And they were coached by my guest in this episode, Michael Gallus. And this club was put together in a very thoughtful but very quick fashion, as you'll hear in the rest of the episode. Uh, and they went on to win their first ever AFL Asia Championship. And congratulations to the gentleman that made up this club. And I wish them, as well as the other athletes who tried out to make this club the best of luck in terms of their training, getting ready to go back and try to win another championship next year. So let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Michael Gallus right now, folks. And I do hope you enjoy this. Again, one of my favorite people on the planet, and I'm not saying that lightly. I truly, truly mean that. Just an absolute positive beacon of everything that is right in the world. So sit back. I hope you enjoy it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome back one of my favorite guests that I have ever had on the podcast. He is, uh, I consider him a friend. He is somebody who I've referred to as a renaissance man previously. And, uh, well, he decided to go ahead and try to even expand upon that over the last several months. I'm thrilled to welcome Michael Gallus back to the podcast. Michael, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, g'day, mate. Great to be back on. And, uh, yeah, big cheerio to all the uh, American uh, listeners and Australian listeners. And uh, congratulations to you. Your uh, team, Geelong, won the AFL Grand Final. And uh, I don't know about Renaissance man there, Craig. I'd say crazy man, that's for sure. Well, and, uh, no, it's great to be back. I'm... I. Okay, maybe crazy, but I think just renaissance in terms of all the different things that you have been doing in uh, the last several months. And, you know, we we spoke uh, most recently on the podcast when you were uh, out in the Kimberley region at the Nunkabah Cattle Station um, working at the school out there. And we're going to get into that now because that has ended. You are back home um, freezing in uh, in Melbourne. Although you have taken off the sweatshirt, though, that's uh, that's good. But uh, you you had another um, series of events that took place recently that I wanted to dig into today because you know this is a gentleman. That if if you remember in an earlier podcast, we talked about him coaching the women's national team uh, of footy in uh, Pakistan. But recently, he uh, coached the men's Pakistani footy team and I, I need to find out how did that happen because last I had checked before this occurred you were not coaching the men's team and then all of a sudden you were so how did that transpire oh uh, when I landed um in Pakistan uh when I was up there but uh, um the uh, COVID had sort of decimated um over there like everywhere the sort of women's program a fair bit and the men had been playing since 2014 across Pakistan and Australia. So there was still a base of clubs and um, participation going on through those last two years of COVID. So um, the, the international, uh, the Asian championships that were held in Bangkok a month ago, um, uh, we decided uh, on discussions with AFL Pakistan that the men would be more likely to be able to play at the higher level to represent their country. And and we had good discussions with AFL Pakistan. We weren't going to compete. We are going to win. And mm-hmm. um, I think that at an international level of sport, if that's your base and that's your level of excellence, then um, and then you do everything you can to prepare yourself 
to win at the at the national level, well then um, it's worth going to because I, there was no way I was taking four weeks out of my uh, paid employment. As you mentioned, I was in Outback WA as a uh, as an acting principal of an Aboriginal school and doing some great work out there. Um, and also leave my family and my country for uh, four weeks that uh, there was no way I was going into it uh, as a um, nothing short of prepare the team to win at the national level, prepare the, the team to win the uh, Asian championships there in Bangkok. And uh, as you can obviously see, you know, all credit to the players that they followed my instructions and were able to uh, to win that. First time ever, Craig, a national team in the 20-year history of the AFL, AFL Asian championships has won. And first time ever, a first team entrance had won as well. So, you know, it was certainly great to be a small part of the history of uh, that event. And again, yeah, a coach is only good as their players, and uh, right, the players right. have been very good. And you, you, uh, you made the trip there, so you had to basically you basically traveled around Pakistan for about two weeks, as you or so, as you were, you know, recruiting players or you know, uh, observing players and scouting to see who was going to make up the best side. And it was it was fun following your Instagram page, which I do. I mean, I look at your Instagram page every single day uh, when I'm on there. I mean, I, I you know you are you are a very prolific poster on Instagram, which is not a it's not a character flaw. That's just simply the facts. Um, but it, you know, I I wanted to ask you. I said, you know, what is it like to be a celebrity in another country? Because it sure seemed like that you had kind of been that because you were everywhere and you were involved in the media and you were talking about, you know, the, you know, this, this game and developing this side. And I love the idea that you're saying you're going in this to win it. Okay. And that's, I think if uh, certainly, you know, teams want to be able to compete, but you know, you don't, I don't think you, anybody should consider going into things and say, Oh, I just hope, I just hope we come out of this. Okay. You want to come out and win. So what, what was it like traveling around Pakistan where people are are thrilled that you were there, your reception? Yeah, yeah quite extraordinary, really, Craig. And uh, I was the only Western tourist that I saw across the whole country. And same again in 2019 when I was lucky enough to visit uh, running AFL clinics. Uh, and uh, you said I was a celebrity. I was a celebrity because I was a Westerner in their uh -huh. country. And then, uh, again, being their national coach, most national coaches stay in five-star hotel rooms and they'll go to their training venues with the players and then they'll come back to their five-star hotels or homes. Whereas, um, you know, it's ex it was extraordinary, I found out, for a national coach. We, I went to regional areas such as Swabi, Gujwala, as well as going to um, the, their massive towns such as Lahore. Lahore's got the whole of Australia just in one town, you know, 30 million uh -huh. people. Pakistan wow. has 230 million people mm -hmm. um, across such a small area. You know, Pakistan could fit into one of our states. Right, um, right. And to be able to travel the country and then their, their larger city, Islamabad, very similar to uh, Washington and, and Canberra here in Australia mm -hmm. with all their political... Um, political offices and setups, um, and yeah, it's just quite extraordinary. And and being a national coach slash international visitor slash westerner, uh, we went to a monument in Pakistan, a tourist monument, and I got absolutely mobbed by people as soon as I they heard me talking to uh, the two friends that I coached in 2017, Abir Haider and 
Myra Ahmed, the um, the girls players that I first met and got this journey started with. And, um, you know, people, one person came up, can I take a selfie? And then where you're from, Australia, next minute there's five people, next minute there's 20 people, <laughs> next minute there's 50 people. And um, and that's happened, you know, I went to McDonald's, I went to a baker shop, the same thing happened. And uh, the great thing is, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, Australian sport in America. You know, the language of cricket, as you might imagine, most of these people across Pakistan speak Urdu. And that was another challenge I had as a coach, that everything I said to my players in training and in matches had to be translated. But they all understood the language of cricket. They need, they knew Steve Waugh, Ricky Ponting, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Smith, Pat Cummings, and then I'd, I'd reel off Imran Khan and Inzaman Al-Haq and uh, Baba Azam, and you'd have a discussion in relation to uh, our two great countries. And um, even though you couldn't speak the language and... Yeah, the potential in Pakistan. You talk about me uh, putting on the um, expectation we're going to win as a national team. And the World Cup 2020 cricket grand final was held in Melbourne just recently and Pakistan made it against England. And mm-hmm. they're in a good position to win with only about four or five overs to go. And their main strike bowler who was bowling hurt his knee. Now, you know, that at that point in time, the, the game's on the line the World Cup is on the line that you, my my directive as an international uh, national coach would be, that's when you sacrifice yourself for your team and your country and you push through. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. He stopped. He went off. The replacement bowler came on. He got smacked around the park. And that was the end of the game. England won. Yeah. We had okay. a similar situation in the semifinal in the Asian uh, Championship in Bangkok. Yasser from Gujuala had split the webbing which is very oh, painful. Oh, absolutely. Had, wow. Yeah, he had seven stitches uh-huh. in his hand. I wasn't getting enough run out of my uh, full forward if the car, I'll huck. And I, I moved him up to centre forward and I said to Yasser, he's been on the bench for three games because his hand was obviously really injured and sore. I said, mate, I need you. I need you. Your country needs you. Can you get on the field and do something for us? And he said, of course, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And we put him at full forward. He took a crucial mark with those seven stitches. He went back. He kicked a point right late in the game. And that was the winning point that got us through the grand final that gave us the opportunity to win. I think if you are in a, if you are playing for your country, you're in a World Cup final or a final of anything, that's when you put yourself on the line. You know sport. Our listeners know sport. How many great achievements have happened and great um great wins have happened through adversity physically right. that you push through. It's all mental, isn't it? It's all yeah, mental. That's, that's a great, push that's through a, that. Push through a, that. For your country, you create great things. And um, I was, again, very lucky. The players are outstanding in everything they did um, to enable them to get over the line. We're playing Laos. You know your football here in Australia. The waffle is probably the second or third best competition outside the, the AFL. They, Laos had two Aussie expat waffle players in their mm-hmm. side and half the side was expat Australians and now um, our team full of national Pakistanis, 20 points down at half time. I gave them the speech. I said, this is it. We've worked for four weeks to get to this point in time. Your country is relying on you, your teammates, your family. This is your opportunity. We don't lie down because we're 20 points down. We worked harder, faster, uh-huh. longer, stronger. And uh, to their credit, Craig, they did. We kicked seven goals in 10 minutes and the rest is in the history books. 
Yes. Now, were were the games being broadcast back in Pakistan? Yeah, they were. The AFL, um, AFL Asia, to their credit, yeah, the links were going live back to Pakistan. Okay. We were getting okay. amazing feedback. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And the, the young man who had the, the hand injury, was he able to play in the grand final then? Yeah, yeah, no, he had his hand taped up, you okay. know, kicked that crucial point, and adrenaline takes over, and okay. yeah, left him at full forward, and uh, yeah, he was, um, yeah, just. And the other, the other thing I just realised the other day, when I picked a squad of twenty-five, you mentioned I travelled to five different regional areas of Pakistan over two weeks, mm-hmm. ran four-hour trials. I've been a recruiter at the Brisbane Lions for uh, two years in a part-time capacity, so I understand what is required at AFL elite level. And I adapted those trials to each of those regional areas. So we had a 1,500-metre run. We had repeat 20-metre sprints. Um, We had an agility test plus a kicking test and then match simulation. Um, And from that, I chose the top 10 from each of those regions. So that gave me the top 50 across Pakistan. And then we met back in Islamabad. We ran a um, another trial for four hours with the best of the best, doing the same things. And from that 50, I picked 25. Yassar wasn't in it. He didn't make the top 25. Wow. And um, with the split webbing and the crucial golden point. And then we got a couple of injuries in training because the match simulation was, you know, 100% hard mm-hmm. at it because I wanted to know who could play. Right, who could, right. Who wanted to be there. So I rang his manager, Atar, back in uh, Gujawala, and I said, look, we've had some injuries. He's a big fella. He can kick. Um, does he want to come in to the squad and have a crack at making this team? And he said, mate, he'll be there tomorrow. He was on a he was on an eight-hour train ride, got on that ride all night, and he arrived the next morning. And again, the rest is history. Wow. that That's that's amazing. First of all, the, the fact that you had all of the contact information is is impressive. You know that you, you know that, that you're doing that. You know, thousands and thousands of kilometers away from home, and you're you're able to you know get in touch with those people. And the, and and the fact that he that he had enough of a love of the game that he wanted to to come back into it, even though he hadn't made the first cut, is is yeah. impressive as well. Um, yeah. You know, so you know, you you defeated you know the. The Laos team that that had a couple of waffle players. I know you had mentioned that there were some, you know there were some some of the teams that had you know former AFL players as well that were involved and, and so I, I I can't do more than tip my cap to you for for putting together a squad in in such a short period of time and having them be so darn competitive you know and and now are they are they once they're going back to Pakistan will they will they then pick up with playing back in Pakistan with their local clubs then. Yeah, that's right. So okay. um, one of one of the areas, three players, and again, half these players had never even played a um, full full game of AFL. Mm-hmm. Some had played, but some of these regional players that I picked up, they were national soccer players, hockey players, baseball players um, that had the fitness and had the understandings of elite sport. And I just had to teach them the skills and the rules. And uh, you know, it sounds easy, but you've watched AFL. <laughs> well. Crazy game to try and pick up the rules, eh? And I and I I will have to say though I have not watched the AFL in Urdu, so I mean, that's, so did you, did you? You said you had some you had somebody that was working with you as a translator then. Now, luckily, I had a couple of players who were very good in English, so they okay. they train and then I'd pull them up, um, and I'd 
you know, obviously I had to admonish uh, a lot of it because they were trying to train at a Pakistan level. And I said, now, this is an Australian elite standard level of training. So I'll give you an example. Like Training started at 9 o'clock. All the team got there. One player rocked in at 9.02. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, what time is it? You're late. He said, no, it's 9.02, sir. I'm, uh, I'm on time. I go, no, you're not. You're two minutes late. Go and do three <laughs> laps and 100 push-ups. And then called the team in, uh, made him do it in front of the team as well. And yeah. then um, um, they all looked at me and I said, well, we're, this is a national team. You're playing other national teams. We're in the competition to win. That two minutes of lack of training and focus, that could be the difference. And it was in the semifinal. We won by a point. Yeah, we could great point. Down at half, 20 points down at half time in the grand final. So, you know, that all those all those tiny little things all add up. Next day, nine o'clock, they're all there at eight forty five, Craig. They all Makes understand sense. Makes sense. Well, I mean that, there you are. That's you know, that's uh and I'm sure, you know, with, with you having taught for as long as you have, you know, you're you probably are in your classroom early earlier than you need to be at I me. Mean, our school day starts at eight oh five and I'm I'm in my classroom at six o'clock every morning. I'm yeah. there. T- I'm there two hours before the school day starts. Now after school, I don't stick around after school, but I'm there. I'm there two hours before the school day begins because I get a lot more done in the morning than I do in the afternoon. Of course, it's also it's also a great time during footy season to put a game on the television and watch there as well. <laughs> Full disclosure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, watch. But that's that's life learning, isn't it, Craig? Which again, these developing countries and third world countries, mm-hmm. unless us. People, unless people go there and teach them these things and show them these things, they don't know. It's, as you might understand, it's very difficult for Pakistanis to get um, national Pakistanis to get visas to travel overseas and to, to go to different places and learn all these right, different right. ways of, of life. And, and that's what I taught them as well. Everything we're learning as an elite level in the, like with teamwork, with uh, fitness, with preparation, that's you apply that in your everyday lives as well, and and you take that back to your community as a role model and uh, educate other people in your community, and that what creates the development of a country, eh? Yep. And, and uh, let me ask you this: you know, what do you think is going to be the, uh, the 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 key thing from this trip that years from now? you're never going to forget what's the, what's the thing that you that you're going to get out of this that that you're going to long remember that you're going to tell your grandchildren about this trip i oh, definitely the players the sacrifice that the players made a lot of the players quit their jobs because before we went to bangkok in um um thailand for the championship we did a three hour a day seven days uh training camp one hour mm-hmm. was on fitness one hour was on uh, match simulation and one hour on rules and strategies of the game. And for them to give up, and, and as you heard, Yasser from Gujuala came from eight hours away. Um, Swabi was, you know, four or five hours away. So was um, um, Lahore. They travelled from all over the country, gave away some of them their jobs, gave up their family time. None of them got paid. It was a voluntary uh voluntary team as well the uh the funding was just able to cover the flights and accommodation a lot of players didn't have money for food so myself and the captain chipped in so the players could eat when they got there um obviously it's so important for them to uh absolutely tournament as well um and yeah that that sacrifice not one of them ever wins 
they did every single thing that I told them to do and instructed them to do. And they, you know, they, they understood that the level of intense training for that week for three hours a day was because that we were, I knew what we we're coming up against. They didn't. They've never, mm-hmm. some of them never played AFL, nevertheless at a national level. Um, only two had played at the national level in 2017 in Melbourne. And one was a 14 year old, I found out when he got there. And he wow. made the squad. He made Furhan, he made the squad and to, um, to this game and played very well, which is, you know, that's those sort of stories. Yasser playing with an engine head. Tell other six foot four Ruckman who uh, led the captain, led the side. Atik Khan was our centre half back and he won the comp best and fairest for his attack at the footy. Um, you know, the run and kick along from Tahir and Bilal. We had a marathon, a marathon runner, Pakistan marathon runner who was our midfield player. So he just got better and better every single game, obviously, as everyone else got tired. Well, That's yeah, what I remember yeah. and that dedication yeah. and application. And, you know, they put every single thing on the line and, you know, I couldn't be prouder of them, and I'm just so happy they went back home, national heroes in their different areas, and you know, show what they can achieve when they set themselves to it. Yeah, if he if he was a uh, a marathon runner, I would have to imagine that his endurance was probably superior to anybody else's out there. That his you know his lung capacity and such was just it was that that just you know nobody could keep up with him. Now yeah. I, I read an article off of the uh, the ABC that. Uh, so that your your ruck, uh, Tala, is it Yusuf? Yeah, that's it, that, big Tala. Yeah, that that he's that he's gonna maybe be coming to play in Australia. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, that's right. We're in the process. Him and Deputy Vice Captain Ashan Ali. We're uh, we're talking to Kalgoorlie Football Club, which is in uh, <laughs> no surprise a bit of outback uh, Western Australia. Okay. And, uh, one of their um, committee members was actually in Bangkok, Thailand, watching the well, over there watching the games, and mm-hmm. uh, we bumped into him having a few quiet lemonades uh, late on the Saturday night. And uh, he said, "Look, why don't you come out to Australia? Are interested in coming to play?" And Tyler said, "Yeah, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to." And then um, you know, stayed in contact. I spoke to their coach. Um, you know, Tyler. Again, six foot four, tap Ruckman. He can kick at 50 metres. Most Ruckman aren't really good kicks here in AFL in Australia. And then Ashton Ali, the deputy vice captain, he kicked a 60-metre goal that had these two bounce, miracle bounces again in that last half, last mm-hmm. uh, last hurrah. And um, he's, he's a tank of a midfielder as well. So, yeah, we're in the process of getting their visas and getting that all organised and... Uh, Spoke to the coach that um, I'll be coming out there in September in Outback WA to hopefully see him in the grand final. And and, and that's why you get involved in sport and education, to develop people mm-hmm. and give them opportunities in life. You know, the sport's secondary, isn't it? You know that. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. So, you know, are you are the, are the, the Asian nationals, are those every three years then, typically? No, every year. Every oh, year. Every so. year. So because we won, we'll go into Division Two. So again, okay. they need to improve again. But next yeah. year, the standard will be higher. The um, you know the fitness levels and understandings will be higher in the uh, national teams of Division Two as well. So, are you coaching that team next year? Well, it's a plan. Yeah, the plan. Okay. Well, you, know, you know me, Craig. You don't know what's going to happen from one day no. to the next at the moment. So there's, there's not a, not a lot. Yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of moss growing underneath your shoes. It's your <laughs> Yes, there's a, yeah, that's uh, 
So, um, you know, it's uh, the fact that you, and I think I, you know, we spoke about this and I even mentioned it to, I, I know one person that plays in the, the USAFL who works in the, the, the television and movie business. And I, and we, I spoke to you about this and I said that this, this is the kind of thing that I think would be, a, it would make for a great inspirational film. You know, I mean, there could be, and I'm just putting it out there. I mean, there, there, there to be honest, the, you know, the part of the story could be, quite frankly, about you and the things that you have done with Footies for All and the teaching and that type of thing. And then the the kind of the fish out of water thing and the inspirational stuff with developing the the, the club in Pakistan. I, I think it would be it would it, it has the makings of a great a great film. Um, but just you know. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be something, Craig, wouldn't it? So, yep. um, and again, I mean, you 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 interview you interview those players and talk about their background. You know, one was a thirty-five-year-old uh, farmer, like, and the reason he was so fit because he tiled in his fields every day. You know, uh-huh. he didn't have much money, and and yet, you know, when I went to Swabi and we did the trials. Um, you know, he was the. We did endurance running. He was the. He was the top three runner, and then he was able to kick it. You know, a, a great way. He was able to mark and punch. And I thought, well, mate, age is no barrier either. All our listeners, that uh, your listeners, mate, if you want to have a crack at something, you work hard enough, you can make it happen. I have no doubt. So, well, we we certainly proved that as well. We talked a little bit off air about something like that that might be happening, but we're not going to get into that here. <laughs> Me, true, you know, we that, shall, we that. shall see. So, um, you know, it's like I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thrilled for you that you know that the time you put into this, that that, that you, re, you were rewarded with the result that that you trained them for, and I, and I, and I, I. I think you know that hopefully you're 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 proud of yourself for their efforts, um, and hopefully you know they're they're appreciative of of the efforts that that you put forth to get them prepared, and and I would imagine some of them are excited to get the chance to come back and you know try to win it at the next level up. Yeah, for sure. It's um, I mean, it's, you you look back on it and you're, you're happy for yourself, but um, as you know, as a coach, you're just so happy, you know, Coaching is a little bit involved. It's the players on the field that are taking the hits. It's the players mm-hmm. that train for, uh, you know, three hours a day for a week before we got there. It was the players that, uh, you know, are chasing and tackling and, and jumping and, uh, and um, you know, putting themselves on the line. It's, you know, it's just great credit to them. And, you know, the great nation of Pakistan, you know, they, they have a lot of potential, but they don't win too many things at the national level. So, for them to go home with the uh, Asian Cup for uh, what they com- what they did across beating five other national teams made up of a lot of expat Australians with a high skill level. It's you know you talked about a movie. It's you know, it really was a miracle, and it was um, because of the players following my instructions. And mm-hmm. you know, yes, I- I'm proud of the small part I played, but you know, all credit to the players and AFL Pakistan. Their their national um, level of organisation are all national Pakistanis again. I'm the only Aussie involved in this whole right, operation, right. which is 
which is extraordinary. You know, Sadar Tariq, the president, Chaudhry Ali, the general secretary, Abdul Ali, the uh, game development, NASA, uh, NASA Ali, who's the CEO. You know, the work that they do, learning off YouTube and talking to me and talking with the AFL, Simon Highfield, international director, you know, no other international, um, international. I had a meeting today with AFL international manager Simon Highfield in Melbourne at AFL House, and he said, "Where Pakistan's the only one full of all nationals. Every mm-hmm. other organisation has expat Aussies involved, and you know, you would think they would because they right, understand right. the game and the rules and everything else. So, you know, all credit to them, and you know, the, the nation of Pakistan. Everywhere I went, you know." treated me like one of their own and, you know, made me feel so welcome. And, you know, I can't thank people enough in uh, Pakistan for that either. Now, did you, after the team won the the, the games, uh, did you travel back to Pakistan or did you go back to WA directly from Thailand? Yeah, straight back home to uh, Melbourne. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, then you went back to WA then. Yeah, just checked in with yeah. the family, said hello, basically had jet lag on top of jet lag, and then, yeah, back to um, – because I was organising three buildings up from Perth to where we were, which is a four-day drive on mm-hmm. the backs of semi, semi-trailers, so I had to get up there to ensure that uh, we got a crane and the buildings, and so the kids have got some – or teacher accommodation and a toilet block for the kids next year. So, yeah, it was only a short strip at home, and then three weeks up there, and now back at home. After yeah, I completed that job. Yeah, we well, we talked about that on a, the last time you were on here that that you you found the trailers in that had been sitting in Perth for I think you said five years if I'm not mistaken. You know that. Uh, so did, did they still have a warranty since nobody had actually lived in them yet, or did they? You know, I mean it's. Uh, but yeah, I you know I, I saw the, the 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 images and such that you shared online as they were moving them and getting them in place. I'm I'm glad that you got those there, and I know. From what I gathered, and I'm not going to get into it. I know you. I think you came home a little earlier than you had planned, but you know, we're, and we're not going to get. We're not going to get into that, other than to say that that occurred, and you're you're happy to be home. But you're. I think you probably felt as though you maybe still had a little unfinished business that you wanted to to take care of there. And as we talked about off air, it's something you're thinking you're going to do again in the in the uh, in the future as well. Yeah, for sure. Um... Uh, I was probably lucky. Actually, they've all been flooded in at the moment. The wet season began early, so it was actually a really good time. The teachers are literally texting me at the moment saying, you got out the right time as they stand in, uh, you know, hip-deep water across the uh, road where the uh, the creeks were when I was there. They were dry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the council's closed the roads because it's unsafe. So um, um, it actually worked out, you know, it's amazing how... Uh, how your path in life works and doesn't work and you're uh, going different directions and um, uh, always always good to be home with the family. I've sort of been in and out for six months and it's, um, yeah, I was more than happy to uh, to come home. And then actually on the plane ride home, I was able to speak to um, from Broome to um, Perth, a leading Aboriginal man from the area. So for four hours, you know, was able to educate me even more about okay, that's uh, about uh, life up there. And that's, um, you know, that's I said to him as I got off the plane, that's it's what happened was meant to happen, so right. that I could sit next to you and learn from you. And then you know, you when go. I get back up there another day, work with you to make the place uh, better for uh, Aboriginal kids and community. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I did not interrupt you on that flight then, because I know we traded a few messages on the flight back to Melbourne. Then, so I'm glad I didn't bother you on that one, because that would have. <laughs> that's uh, that's, was, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah, uh, I was very lucky, and and again, the yeah, you know, the community of uh, Nookumbar Cattle Station, and uh, you know, it was an extraordinary place to be in, and. I look forward to, uh, I'll get back up there another day and, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the future, do you? No, uh-uh. Is that something, do you hope to take your kids up there at least for a visit as well to let them experience it as well? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to. Everyone needs to go, all Australians need to go into the outback and then especially need to go into outback Aboriginal communities to uh, to learn from them. That's uh, that's their uh, oldest living culture in the world. And right, right. Their, their music and their arts and their um, you know understandings about life are just extraordinary and so different than ours. So you know I was certainly blessed and you know humbled to be a part of that community and again to be part be made to feel uh, as uh, as welcome as they are in their community as well. And I know you you got the chance to uh, to well I think you've had actually the chance a couple times to be on with Neil Butler. Because you were on on his uh, regional 250 when you got to talk about the community, and you know, and I, and I'll be honest, I, I think I must be a rather strange person because I I have listened to probably twenty or so of the episodes of his show, and again, I don't live in Australia. I'm probably never going to visit these places, but just learning about these little communities, it's just it's it to me it's it's just fascinating. When I'm out walking my dogs, if I'm not listening to music, I've I've got a podcast on, and, and I find myself gravitating towards, you know, Neil's podcast quite a bit because I think I had him on the podcast here, and I th- I think I told him that I I said you know if he's not you know if he's not somebody who is you know narrating books on tape you know that sort of thing that he should be because you know he's got that kind of a speaking voice. It's just you know it's just a very powerful, you know, soothing voice to to listen to, and he just does a great job with it. So I was glad that you were able to share that. So. No, you're right. That's a and that's that's a, such a great show to give yeah regional people an opportunity to talk yeah. about what they're doing and and what their community is doing and and you don't get that on mainstream, do you? So you know, because... hats off to him and um, and um, and uh, and the show and the sponsors for able right, right. normal people to tell their stories because you've got what is it like eighty five ninety percent of the the country's population lives in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, yes. Gold Coast, Brisbane, Darwin, Cairns, yep. Townsville, yep. Townsville, you know, yep. that they're in the major cities and, you know, you've got, you know, a lot of small communities, but they're, they're interspersed throughout, you know, throughout the entire country and not, it, you know, it's, is it safe to say that a lot of Australians maybe have not visited some of these, you know, smaller communities that they don't get too far off the "quote unquote" beat, beaten path. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Um, and, and then, yeah, it gives people opportunity to uh, to hear about them and get into them. I mean, the country towns, like anywhere, need need tourism and need yeah. uh, need people going to visit them to keep alive all their uh, their small businesses as well. And it's just right. great to hear inspirational stories from uh, inspirational Australians uh, just doing normal things isn't it well yeah they're, and I and I told celebrities but they're just normal people doing extraordinary things I, t- I told Neil that I that that his that the con that concept of that show actually gave me an idea for 
another podcast. I haven't I haven't jumped into it at all yet, but it, it gave me kind of, you know, tweaking what he's doing a little bit. I thought I, I came up with what I thought would be an interesting um, direction to go with that. I'll tell you about that off air because I don't want anybody to steal the idea. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you what, what for those people who maybe haven't listened to the other couple of times that I've had you on, you know, you are a teacher, you're you're a coach, you, you, you've traveled internationally, but then you also are, you know, you're, you're holding a, a well-used footy in your hand right now. That footy has been kicked at least once or twice. Uh, um, how's footies for all going? Yeah, going well. Obviously, uh, COVID knocked us around. It's a uh, footies for all those who haven't, haven't been tuned in. It's just a volunteer organization that gives kids opportunities to uh, play sport and then the uh, great difference between our charity and every other sporting organisation is we actually leave them with the ball. So the kids mm-hmm. get to choose an AFL footy, a rugby ball, a basketball or a soccer ball um, so that they can continue to enjoy playing sport by themselves with their friends, family or in the community. And, um, yeah, it continues to get great support. Running 10 years, you, you do what you can do with the, the funding we get from great grassroots people across Australia who uh, understand the power of sport and want to give back. The Bresnahan Foundation through Tony Bresnahan has uh, just jumped on board and giving us great support off field in relation to uh, re-establishing our website and also um, uh, helping out with merchandise and uh, and uh, grant funding applications. And, you know, I can't thank Tony and the Bresnahan Foundation enough for for uh, supporting us and, uh, and uh, looking to uh, continue us uh, forward and you know we just you do what you can do Craig don't you you yeah. just do what you can do and if if I got a um, you would have read it on the post from uh, the footies for all Instagram or um, um, footies for all uh, Facebook if you're interested just follow the story and, and we got a post from a, a young Aboriginal kid seven years old in sort of outback New South Wales thanks to John Gilby a great Aboriginal supporter and um, he, I sent some rugby balls up there at Christmas time, and he was uh, he had one left, and he gave it to this young fella, and he he slept with it all night and played <laughs> with it all day, and you know he just couldn't be happier that he finally got hold of a uh, a footy, a brand new uh, rugby ball that uh, and Gilbert Gilbert and Stephen give us great support in rugby and Ross Faulkner in AFL. Um, you know, made his dreams come true. One ball, you know. It's, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's, that, that um, is outstanding. You know, that is outstanding, and it's and it's such it's such an admirable, um, it's such an admirable you know effort that that you and your your other volunteers are doing. So you know, and here in the U.S., this is what they call Giving Day. It's kind of the day after Cyber Monday, where they you know, you know, different organizations are trying to get people to donate. So if people are interested in helping out, they can head over to your Instagram page for Footies for All, or you, they can head over to the Facebook page and reach out to you there. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. I'd love to hear from them. Uh, that'd, that'd be great. Outstanding. So um, just a couple more things before we wrap up here. And I have a couple uh, kind of not you know, non-standard questions I'm going to ask you. But I know that you are you are featured in a new book that is either just <laughs> out or is going to be coming out very soon. And I'd love to hear about yes. that. I'm so. just trying to find it. I, I just had it here somewhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is gonna make uh, mate, she's gonna kill me, Kerry Atherton, that I don't have it. Yeah, that's um, it's about men's mental health. We've got a book launch next March, so hopefully, you uh, might be in the country then for it. And um, yeah, just 
people telling their stories of how they've overcome challenges in life. And, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, again, humbled to have my story in there against, uh, or, or, you know, side by side with people that have overcome drug addictions and alcoholism mm -hmm. and uh, suicide uh, attempts through, um, you know, mental health. Um, and it's, you know, just an opportunity for people to tell their stories and hopefully help other people when they have those similar challenges to uh, to uh, get through it. You know, Winston Churchill said in World War Two, I think, uh, when the, the when the England was being bombed, that if you're going through hell, just keep going. So, and that's yeah, uh, that's a good point. As, that's a yeah, simple as complex as that, eh? That's a great that's a great way of looking at. It. Yeah, that's rather wise guy. He was a rather yeah. wise man. You know, it was uh, you know, so it's uh, now I know he he not everybody was a fan of his, but. Uh, you know, depending upon where you live in the world, you you may not have been a fan of Winston Churchill's, but uh, you know, in the great grand scheme of things, he was he was certainly the the, the PM that that England needed at that time. No, it certainly yeah. wasn't. Yeah. I, I read um, I read recently John Monash, who's a very Australian, uh, famous Australian, but a lot of Australians don't make, know too much about him. In again, in World War Two, he was commanding three hundred thousand Australian troops. And um, I read recently in an autobiography by uh, about Donald Bradman, Australia's greatest batsman and probably the world's greatest batsman, that uh, John Monash was inspiring the Australian troops. They were coming up against a million uh, Nazis and we only had 300,000 Australian troops who were outnumbered three to one. And he continued to use sporting analogies and uh, Australians love a sport to motivate mm -hmm. the troops to not give up and again, he was on the front line. He used to travel. He used to ride up and down on his horse and be seen and be a present to uh, to uh, let them know that the you know the leader was with them. And right, um, right. One of the reasons that uh, the Allies won World War Two was again through key uh, victories that the Australians had, led by John Monash, which is, yeah. again it shows it's mental, it's motivational. Um, and uh, if you can help other people and inspire other people, then uh, we've got a great chance for uh, the world to be a better place. Hey, eh? is is he the namesake of the university? Is it that's right. Is, yeah, okay, so, okay, yeah, yeah, that's correct. So yeah, great Australian. All those Australians listening, do a bit of research on him because when he his funeral was the, the whole of Melbourne, the city streets were just filled with thousands and thousands and like hundreds of thousands of people because. He was such a great man with the working class and the lower class that, um, you know, he, he led by being there rather than telling people what to do it from afar. Okay. Now I had just a couple, couple questions here before we wrap up today. Um, Cause it's uh, it's rolling on 10 o'clock here on a Tuesday evening for me. So we'll, uh, and I'm getting you need up. Your a, beauty sleep, Craig. You I'm, need I'm, your beauty I'm getting sleep. out of bed in seven hours, so I have, yeah. I have, <laughs> uh, so, um, the first question: what What is it that drives or inspires you? Oh, I just it, you hope you can help someone else and inspire other people to do uh, things in their life in relation to helping other people. I'm very lucky to have a beautiful wife, Amanda, and kids, Thomas, Lily, and. Benjamin, who support me, and, uh, you know, we have a warm house in, in winter and a cold house in summer and food. So if we are, uh, you know, I, I, 
I'm in a good place. So if I can help other people and um, through what I, my crazy adventures and, you know, inspire other people to do something good for someone, you know, you don't have to do all the crazy things I do. You can mow your next door neighbor's lawn. You can take a warm pot of soup over to the uh, old person who lives two doors down, or you can just smile at someone and say hello in the street. You know, it's if we can try, try and promote peace and uh, goodwill, mm -hmm. that old adage across the world, then, uh, um, then uh, I, I think of, I've done my job. Okay. So I think it could safely be said that, that you have done um, quite a few years worth of living over the last year. You've done more in the last year uh, than a lot of people do in a decade or maybe even in a lifetime. What is, what's next for you? What, what is, what is, uh, I don't mean what's tomorrow, but what is the next six months of the next year for Michael Gallus? Yeah, it's a great question. Who knows? You're exactly right. I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow, to be honest. I mean, I was in a, the start of this year. I was year seven coordinator at uh, Gilson College in the um, outskirts of out of Metropolitan and Melbourne in charge of 100 kids and teaching maths, English and PE. And then, again, through a chain of events, I ended up in Outback Australia and then I ended up in uh, Pakistan and then... <laughs> Melbourne and outback Australia and back in Melbourne. So, um, you know, I, I, I was in the same job like you for 22, 22 years. I worked mm -hmm. at the same school in, as a uh, primary teacher, penalty lesson grammar school, and made me who I am today, that's for sure. Um, but now I sort of live my life that I keep myself open to opportunities and uh, let's see where they lead. And uh, don't, I haven't tied myself down to anything as yet for next year. There's some teaching offers coming in which are looking good. And um, I'll definitely be at home, though. Yes, uh, I've, okay. uh, I've been locked down at home. The wife said that uh, young Benjamin's in year 11 and 12, the last two years of his schooling here in Australia. So uh, she's um, – and fair enough, and fair enough. And teenage yeah, boys certainly need their dads as well. So uh, happy a, to be home-based in uh, Australia for the next two years. And then who knows where we'll go after that. And, you know, and I, I know that the two of you are, are very competitive with one another out on the golf course. I know that. I know that for sure. I, I've, I've seen a lot of the scorecards and such that you, that you put there. OK, so last thing I want to ask you, OK. Um, this weekend, you are going to be holding the Gallus Film Festival. And you are showing three films at the film festival. What three movies are you showing? Oh, you made me think on that one, haven't you? Oh, I don't. Um, I reckon Top Gun's pretty inspirational. I love a bit of Tommy Cruise. Um, Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption's another great one. Okay. Um, and the third one, probably the uh, Life of Nelson Mandela. I'd say that. Um, yeah, just an extraordinary human being who uh, drives me to continue to do what I do, but also do it in a way that. You know, and, and it's the hardest thing in life when you are slighted and, um, you know, people are saying things against you which are wrong, that um, you don't get bitter and twisted, that you uh, wave it aside, control what you can control and uh, get out there and do good things in the world. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's three good ones. I have, I have not seen The Life of Nelson Mandela, but uh, I have seen Top Gun. In fact, I, I – spent uh, almost two years of my life living on di two different aircraft carriers. So I've, I've seen those, those planes up close and personal. I've, 
I, I worked directly with the pilots in my squadron when I was in there. Um, but, uh, and, and Shawshank Redemption, I, I think by law here in the United States, Shawshank has to be on one television channel 24 hours a day. It is on all the time here. It is on <laughs> all the time. I'm going to come and visit, Craig. Yes. I'm going to come and visit. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is on here all the time. So, hey, Michael, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I congratulate you for your success in Pakistan. I, I, I commend you for what you did out in the Kimberley over the last several months. I mean, it's, it's, I called you a Renaissance man earlier on. I, I, I think you are, you're an inspirational person. I think that, that hopefully, you know, the, the students that you have had throughout your years of teaching, you know, reflect back on the fact that they were able to be in your class. And, and if you, if you carry yourself the, in class the way you have in, in all the times that we have spoken, and I'm pretty convinced that you probably do, um, those kids are going to remember you fondly for a lifetime. And and as as one teacher to another, I don't think we can get a better compliment than that. You know, I, I yeah, I, I, my, I, I don't know if I've told you this, but my, my, I, my school ID, I, I, every year that I do it, I, I take, a picture looking as angry as I possibly can. I try, I mean, I try to look as ticked off as I possibly can in my picture. And the, and, and the kids are like, why do you do that? Because that picture is going to be in the yearbook. And I tell them, I said, I'm looking out for you 25 years down the road. I said, because someday you're going to have a teenager of your own and something that's going to happen uh, where you're mad at your teenager for some reason, or your teenager's mad at you and they've, stormed off to the other part of the house they've sequestered themselves away and they find your school yearbook and they're flipping through there and they come across my picture and they're like holy cow and they come out to you mom or dad and they say wow what is up with this guy he he looks like a real jerk and the, and i tell the kids i said you're gonna say one of two things you're gonna say oh absolutely he was a jerk or you're gonna say no 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 he was great let me tell you the story about him and you're talking to your kid. And I've helped to try to break down that barrier that you've had between you and your teenager 25 years from now. So I'm looking out for you down the road. So, yeah, at least that's uh, great work. Yeah. Great work. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate your kind words. And, uh, you know, as you know, teaching is the greatest job in the world. And if we can uh, uh, educate uh, the younger generations coming through and uh, help them to navigate their way, but also never give up and show some self-love and really uh, – um, you know, work to help other people. Then we've we've uh, we've done our job, haven't we, Craig? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yes. Always yes. a pleasure coming on your show. Yep. And shout out to everyone in America and around Australia that listens. And uh, big shout out to your mum. I know your mum's one of my greatest yeah. fans. And uh, look oh, forward she, to she is. She is. I'm looking forward to getting this one out so she can give it a listen. But yeah, you know, I, I want to give a, a a big shout out to my friend Michael uh, for coming on here. Uh, I am looking forward to the end of next week, however, when the fixture comes out, because <laughs> because I can't wait. I can't wait to ask you about the Fremantle Carlton matchup this year, because I know you got some Fremantle gear now and you're you're very yeah. you have a very sympathetic, you know, bone now for for Fremantle after they worked so well with your kids a few months back there. So I can't 
I doubt it's going to be round. No, it won't be round one because uh, isn't that that's usually Richmond and Carlton, isn't it? Round one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Round one, Richmond, yeah. Carlton. Yeah. yeah, we hate the Tigers, so we better win round one. We did. We won it this year. Yes. We it, yeah. We're on the way up. We're on the way up, Craig. I I think you're right, and uh, I remember I remember a conversation that we had the first time, which I will not say anything about, but. Uh, I, I think Jury's things still out. Jury's I, still out. Okay. Okay. We'll go with that. Hey, Michael, thanks so, so much, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your afternoon, man. Cheers to no, you. My pleasure. Great to be on again. Look forward to talking to everyone soon. You bet. You bet. And Michael, man, thanks so very much for taking out time out of your, uh, your day to uh, sit down and chat. Uh, I'm glad that your son's Uber Eats got delivered and the, and the puppy got to have some snacks because before we started recording, the puppy was wanting to get in on the interview as well. Folks, remember that you can find everything about the podcast over at my website at yankonthefooty.com. You can get subscribed on the mailing list there. If you like the podcast, the best thing you could do is subscribe. The, the other best thing that you could do would be to leave a review for the podcast. If you enjoy the show, it's a great way for me to be able to demonstrate to prospective listeners that there are people who appreciate what I'm doing with the podcast. So if you want to help out, that would be a great way to do that. Now, if you want to help out the podcast, you know, to help keep it afloat, you can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button there as well, and that will certainly help to keep the podcast up and running as well. Now, folks, if you're on that mailing list, as soon as a new episode comes out, it will be in your inbox. And, folks, look out for one another. I, I truly am thankful for each and every one of you that do tune in and listen. I do hope you'll share the episode with your friends and family. Check up on them. Tell them you love them. The holiday season is coming up here very soon. I do hope that you get to engage with and visit your family, your relatives, uh, as things are going along. And let them know you love them. Make sure they're okay. And I appreciate the kind words that each of you have uh, given me Uh and as always, your support is just so appreciated. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. And I will catch you later. This has been episode 214 of A Yank on the Footy, my chat with Michael Gallus. Don't forget again, folks, that you can reach me at yank underscore on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. Just look for A Yank on the Footy or my name, Craig Wessels, on Facebook as well. I'm always open to chatting with you with people there as well. So I do hope you'll consider sharing the podcast. And until next time, everybody, goodbye.